super excited for our conversation, uh, partly because I like giving the franchise supplier a voice. And oftentimes, us as suppliers, we are the ones that sit in the back of the room. We're like the ugly stepchild of everything we go to. And so I'm on a mission to change that because I, I don't think the supplier gets an opportunity to have uh, a long-term voice, like what we're going to be able to do today, and a chance to say, here's what we do and here's how we do it, so that anybody who's watching can have the opportunity to say, okay, that makes sense. This is the, the problem that I solve. Before we get into Answer Connects, I want you to frame your story, you as a human, how do you even get into this business and how did you, how did you land here? Well, that's a great question. Uh, in 2008, I was downsized. I was the terminal manager for a logistics company and been in logistics for about 20 years. They took out all of the middle management and there I was. I had two small children at the time, a second grader and a kindergartner, and they needed somebody to look after them. So initially I took advantage of it, but then I thought, okay, I, I really do need to get to work. And so with the market being what it was, I ended up answering calls for a company called Answer Connect. And it was really interesting because one, I got to work remotely and two, my hours for from three o'clock in the morning until 11 in the morning. And they were Sunday through Thursday. So there's a lot of great things about that. Um, my husband had the kids all day Sunday. Welcome to my world. And I got to go on field trips with my kids the rest of the time. Well, fast forward 15 years and my kids have graduated from college and are in college now and are in their 20s. And this is all they've known is a mom that, you know, works remotely. So when COVID hit, and I know we don't like to talk about COVID, but when COVID hit, it was a really great opportunity for them to see, yes, mom really does work. And to also see in a different reality or a different space, what they could potentially do with their lives, working from a home office or working from, you know, a location that wasn't at the, at the main building because both of them had gone down to our main hub multiple times. So they know the founder, they know the CEO, they know everything. And, and they really love what we do for our customers. And I think both of them could sell it, but that's kind of my journey of how I got here is, you know, just being laid off and then the hours really worked the three to 11, three in the morning. Mm -hmm. And I'm still working those hours. Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> and within the, within the company, I was looking at your LinkedIn. I mean, mm -hmm. you've also progressed through the business that now you're director of business development. So tell me what, what is your, what is your role like today? Obviously it's changed drastically over your four, 14 years there. Uh, almost 15. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, it has changed drastically. I, as I stated, I initially started as someone who, an agent who takes the calls and uh, we work for clients who cannot answer all of their calls for a variety of reasons. One, it's just not humanly possible. And two, they need some additional support, but want to maintain a budget or price in their, in their um, space. So over the years, I have grown into a sales team member, a sales lead, and now as the director of business development, it's all about relationship. I meet people, uh, do a lot of cold calling, go to events, and we partner with the IFA, 
Um, and I even got my CFE. So it's all about relationship. As you know, this industry is hardcore relationship. Mm -hmm. And that's not to say that I don't sell because I do. And that's not to say that I don't help other brands grow. But my main focus is, and our mission is to help small business owners, franchise owners, grow one live human voice at a time. I love it. So, okay. So for Answer Connect, mm -hmm. what is the problem that you solve? So a franchisor or a franchisee is watching this. Why, why you, why now? Well, one, we're a preferred vendor of the IFA. I have my CFE. We know what franchise business can accomplish. The problem we're trying to solve is the value of a missed call. What we know and studies have been done that if a small business misses 30% of their calls, no matter whether it's during the day or after hours, they can potentially lose up to $1.6 million. And so what we do is answer the calls, capture the information, set appointments, push information into the CRM, make outbound calls in emergency situations. We want to solve the problem of having a human voice answer 24 hours a day so they don't go to a voicemail. They don't go to your competitor. They stay with you because you have that human voice. So... Is this primarily on the consumer side for a franchisee, or do you also solve the problem for a franchisor that isn't answering their leads? Both. So any business that needs it on the Fran Dev side, we work with a couple of franchisors, and we actually do the initial intake, and then we send an appointment for one of the salespeople to call them back one of the business development people to call them back to continue that conversation. Uh, and on the franchisee side, all of the things that we did. So, sorry, <laughs> working from home. Yeah, that's our guess. <laughs> so what we want to do is we really want to help people grow in all areas. Okay. That makes sense. So from a service standpoint, is your ideal customer a franchisor that has franchisees that needs call center support? Is that like, is that your sweet spot or what, who's your specific ideal customer? Yeah. Any franchisor that is not answering their calls or any franchisee that is not answering their calls, that's our sweet spot. So yeah. a lot of times we come in through the franchisee door Right. Somebody will go out um, and find a vendor because maybe they're an emerging franchise. Some franchisors reach out to us because they have learned about us and they want help in the Fran Dev side. Yeah. So it's really a, a little bit of both. Yeah, I love it. I was literally talking to a client yesterday uh, who will be at Fran Camp. So I'll make the connection. You can go to 1851francamp.com if you haven't registered already. Um, and we were talking about missed opportunities with his franchisees. Now he, he runs a seasonal franchise. Um, and so his guys are super busy from Q1 to Q3 and then Q4, this is when his business steps in and he said, we're getting better. We're not returning one out of five calls today. Um, he goes, but he goes, I picked up the phone and took one of the calls and my, I could see my franchisee did not respond to them. And he sold a million dollars worth of business on that one call. And so 
he's he's looking at that. I can also go back. I was sitting at uh, Fran Connect had uh, like a CEO summit. I remember sitting in the room and there, there were only like 12, 12 CEOs in the room. And Keith Gerson uh, was leading this, this group discussion. He said, hey, two people in this room, I got to be honest with you, we secret shopped you and you guys never returned uh, to us as a lead. And all the CEOs in the room were like, I promise you it wasn't me. I promise you it wasn't me. And he's like, look, if all 12 of you are saying it wasn't you, and I'm telling you two of it, two of you did do this, then that's a that's a big disconnect. And I, I've, I've experienced it on the marketing side. I've seen franchisors not return the candidate's call and the candidate feels not important. And, you know, on the selling a franchise, you're trying to get someone to invest their life savings into a business they have little to no control over. And so that's a very vulnerable situation that if you aren't hands-on or dialed in, then you really risk turning off someone who is already scared and afraid to make this change already. And that's where obviously you've positioned yourself to, to stand out. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what you said, you know, a franchisor picked up the call and sold a million dollars worth of business in one call. How much are your calls worth? And when we talk to people and we talk about marketing, if you're spending, you know, two to three, two to five percent of your annual revenue and your annual revenue is, you know, one hundred thousand dollars and you're missing calls. Why aren't you setting yourself up to make a million dollars instead of one hundred thousand dollars? And it's really easy when you can have somebody set that appointment and you can go out and talk to them, that makes the customer feel valued. And the most recent story was the air conditioner broke, right? It's summertime, the air conditioner broke. I called six companies. One called back. They got my business, right? Everything's good, which is great because it's midsummer. The issue is five didn't. Two of them were franchises. I just, it's, I I mean, it's dumbfounding to me because mine wasn't a million dollars. Mine was only, you know, $12,000. But $12,000 every time that phone rings is something. Yeah. And on top of, on top of that, most likely those, those two franchisees that didn't return your call are the two franchisees that are saying you guys aren't doing enough for me from a marketing standpoint you know and i think that's 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 the challenge you got these franchisees who they they want to win but and and look if i if i look at the construct of a franchise owner you're most likely an expert in sales or marketing or or ops or Mm -hmm. some some division of that and you've decided to invest your life savings into a business. Mm-hmm. And so now that you're a business owner, now you have to be an expert in all three of those plus HR plus supply chain plus, and it's very complex. And so if you can offset a portion of it, give yourself a fighting chance to win and scale as a franchisee, why would you not outsource a, a pain point, which is what you're saying in the, in the air conditioning scenario? It's, it's really interesting. I talked to a supplier vendor um, that's pretty well known in, in our industry, and they talked to me and said that 
when they went through and reviewed their calls, 50% of the calls that were not being answered by a human were stopping at voicemail, 50%. They got 150 calls come into their line, 50% are leaving at voicemail, 28% are leaving a voicemail. 15% are not getting called back. I'm thinking to myself, okay, there's 22% still left out there. What's happening? And they said, we like, these are after our calls that they're just hanging up. Right. Yeah. And it's separate from the voicemail. They're, they're just not even going anywhere. They're, the calls aren't being returned. And to me, that's 70% of your business just down the drain. How do you stay in business that long? And it's really important and very imperative that people just embrace the fact that they're not getting all of the calls, have the wherewithal or the, the drive to want to continue to grow their business and be okay with having somebody else answer their calls. And one of the things I think that's key here, Nick, is that you can have the most gregarious person answer the call and not get all the information and have a worse turnout than having somebody who reads a script yeah. who's not gregarious get that information and set an appointment for you. One, you're being efficient, you're being effective, and you're changing somebody's life. The other, you're building a relationship, which is great, but is that their, is that their position? Should they right. be continuing on with the communication? So I think there's a lot of things that an answering service can bring, and people don't need to be embarrassed that they're not missing calls. Um, I miss calls on my cell phone. Do yeah. you? Of course. <laughs> So, and I hear a lot of, a lot of franchisees say, I'm not good on the phone. I'm good when I get in front of somebody or better yet, I don't like to make the calls or take them initially. Normally I'm driving, I have to find and search things. And, you know, we want to take more and more off the plate. Uh, we do integrate with quite a few CRMs which makes it nice because in the service industry or the emergency industry, we can call somebody and that information can be already set up on their iPad, right? right? So they can go out and start, you know, completing the project at the time of their interaction with the customer. Yeah. Well, I want to unpack something that you just said that I think is deeply important. When you gave the example of, I just don't want to make those phone calls or I don't want to take those phone calls. You, you lowered the tone of your voice and what that means, that's the whisper that's happening for franchisors. You have franchisees, they're they're probably a little bit embarrassed to tell you that they are not as extroverted as they may have sold you in the onboarding process. Mm -hmm. But it's like, it's okay to whisper and say there's things about this role that I don't want to do and I could use some support. So with that being said, I mean, obviously you went and got your CFE, mm -hmm. you preferred partner of the IFA you're spending money to market in, in franchising. You're doing all that because you don't have full scale in franchising. That's, that's why we market, right. but, but it doesn't seem like a hard sell. Once you get in front of the right buyer is, is the miss that not enough franchisors or franchisees know that you're a, a service that could support them. I think that is part of the problem. I think that's part of the problem. Who, who can we help? The other problem is something that you said, you secret shop 12 they clearly didn't know because it was a secret shop but do they know are they 
are they engaged in all the areas enough to know that people are missing the calls? And yeah. if they're not, that's, you know, something, why would they even need a service? Right. Right. And some people think when you outsource your calls, it leaves a bad mark on you. Well, our people are in the U.S. and Canada um, and also in the U.K. And that human voice is so much more valuable, right? When you don't even know that it's an option, how do you know what you don't know? And so just one, not knowing that it is an option. What I hear a lot is, oh, I didn't know you guys still existed. <laughs> we do. <laughs> Interesting. Well, I mean, look, if, if you think through when us as humans uh, are trying to find our significant other, there's a term called wing wingman, which is probably today, it's probably called wing person. <laughs> Um, and the reason those exist is because we as humans are afraid to go talk to a stranger that we might have interest in. And so you use your wing person to go make that, that intro. This has been around forever. So having someone outsourcing the first call or the first answer, like that's your wing person in the sales process. And that actually turns into a benefit. Or it's like if someone's like, hey, Karen, can you make an introduction to one of your franchisors that you work with? You make a connection to Nick, you send that connector email, you've warmed it up so that now when Nick and your franchise client talks, that the likelihood of them connecting is greater. Mm -hmm. And so like philosophically, this has always been there, but probably it's overlooked or it's not thought about in what areas can I potentially support my franchisees and what areas could I potentially support my franchise salespeople who also don't want to make that first phone call because they've been so turned off by making those first phone calls and hearing on the other side of the line. I, I never filled out your form. And so they're so <laughs> discouraged by that. Let, let you do it for them. Right. right. Yeah. When you, when you start making the calls, which I do 80% of the calls that I make every single day, and I make about 80 calls a day, 80% of those 80 calls are not being answered. Yeah. And I always say, Hey, let's talk so that your next client doesn't talk to this voicemail. And I'm not sure how that's always taken. Some people say, <laughs> and some people say, Hey, we're glad you called. We know it's an issue. And I think that's important to say because we want to help. We don't want to hurt. We don't want to berate. We don't want to belittle. But we want to help franchise businesses, small business owners, franchisors grow yeah. and be successful. And this is the one way that we can make that happen. I love it. So I want to I dive into your CFE real quick. Mm -hmm. You you made the decision to go get this. Mm -hmm. Was it because you wanted to be more in tune with franchising and therefore when you're selling, you have a pulse on what a franchisor goes through? Or what, what was your mindset in going through the process of becoming a CFE? Both. I really wanted to understand what the process was of one, becoming a franchise, but also becoming a franchisor. What do they need to take care of? How do they take care of their people? What documentation do they give? What does that onboarding process look like? And you get little bits and pieces of that when you take your franchise, your CFE classes. And I really just enjoyed the, the thought and really learning that 
hey, somebody, anybody can start a business and with a proof of concept, they can become a franchisor. So I could start a business. I could, and I could become a franchisor. Like, this is really cool. These are all the things that you need to do to be successful. Mm -hmm. And I did want to have my pulse on what does this community need to survive? And on both sides, it's there, right? But the one thing that I find so interesting when I started going to the IFA is people would say, I would say, hey, does it matter if a vendor is a CFE or not? No, it doesn't. But once I got my CFE, I saw a lot of other vendors start to get their CFE, which is, I think, a great testament to, one, what it takes to learn, but then the engagement of the suppliers and vendors in the IFA, in the franchise community. There's a lot of people who say, know what we need to know. Well, how how do I do that? But taking those classes really did. Um, And I think it was one of the best things I did in the industry. One, people take me more seriously. Right. You understand you've taken that. It's not me just calling and saying, hey, it's a free for all. We'll customize the script to meet your needs. Instead, I'm saying, let's maintain the brand consistency. Let's help your franchise grow. Hey, your franchisor has set this up to help you succeed. It's a give and take. And it's really just a great opportunity to, if you don't have it, learn more if you're not in the franchise world. Yeah, I, I love it. I mean, ultimately, and again, and I, I opened I opened our conversation up with this. I think suppliers are miscategorized as suppliers. <laughs> At the end of the day, if you take off labels of supplier, franchisee, and franchisor, majority of majority of suppliers have this mindset of of growth, and it might mean we're growing in our careers differently than we're growing our businesses, but many suppliers are also business owners too. And you strip off the labels and you say, let's take human beings and put them in a room and let everybody have a voice. The reality is we all have insights on how we can help impact each other on growing, whether it's how do I get my next promotion? How do I get my next client? How do I sell my next franchise? Or how do, how do I grow as a franchisee? The reality is we all have this intel. And so what I, I don't like about and a franchise association is when we get pigeonholed into these categories, when we have so much more to offer just by having these one-on-one discussions and trying to pull out an insight that might make someone else's life a little bit better, you know? Well, what you said, suppliers are here to make people's lives better, whether it's the franchisor, whether it's the franchisee, whether it's other suppliers, it's, that's what we want to do. And I think that's what makes the IFA so interesting is one, they're all in a growth mindset. And two, they're sharing so much information that they know across the board to other industries, including industries that are competing with them. I've just never experienced that. And I, I think that mindset is pretty amazing. Yeah, I love it. Karen, this has been an awesome conversation. I, I do believe you've absolutely fill a need uh, in the marketplace. I think you need a little bit more awareness to the right people. Um, again, literally having a conversation with the franchisor, which I need to connect you with uh, when I'm <laughs> off of this, uh, who I said to him, I said, why not build a call center? Okay. Uh, because that, that was where my go-to went. But you know, there's, there's an alternative here. And so but it's an awareness thing. And the more people that get to hear what you're doing and how you're so- with the problem that you're solving, uh, the, obviously the more opportunities that are going to come. So 
Um, thanks for sharing some of your story. I look forward to seeing you uh, soon. And uh, this was awesome. Thanks, Karen. Thank you, Nick, for your time. I really appreciate it.